Safety, the program designed for safety professionals. Support for Spot on Safety is brought to you by iWorkWise. For more information about safety training and classes, go to iWorkWise.com. It's time for another episode of Spot on Safety. I'm your host, Dan Smiley. I'm here with our safety guru, Amy Does. Good afternoon, Amy. Hey, Dan. And another treat, Rick Gleason from the University of Washington, a safety lecturer and course director of the OSHA Institute, is here with us to talk about safety from an OSHA uh, inspector point of view. Good afternoon, Rick. Thank you, uh, Dan. Glad to be here. Well, Amy, I know you have uh, some questions, so fire when ready. Okay, well... Um one of the great, many great things about about Rick, and you might get sick of me hearing this because I'm a big fan, clearly, but uh, basically Rick used to be an inspector, and he worked for both the state and federal OSHA. Is that right, Rick? Yes. Yeah, and so I thought it would be pretty fun for everybody to um, to listen to what Rick had to say about, you know, some things about being an inspector and kind of um, things about OSHA inspections. If you haven't been through them already, um or if you just want some tips or a little background and that kind of thing on, on how to handle those and, and what that whole process is about. I thought that's kind of what we could go over today. And um, so, Rick, maybe we can start out and just kind of tell us about your experience uh, doing inspections and with, with the, the OSHA and the state OSHA. Yeah, Amy, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me to be here today. I started working for OSHA as an inspector in Montana about 31 years ago. Uh, the federal OSHA program there only had four inspectors for the entire state of Montana. Two of those were safety inspectors and two of those were industrial hygiene or occupational health inspectors. And uh, I worked for OSHA for many years and then uh, for also the state of Washington OSHA program for about 10 years. Uh, here in Washington, we call them the WISHA program or they're also called Department of Labor and Industries or the DOSH program which is the Department of Occupational Safety and Health. So uh, for about 13 and a half years, I worked for either OSHA or WISHA as an inspector going out to job sites, kind of like the people that are maybe listening today and uh, doing inspections. One of the first things I had to do is tell them why I was there. And there's probably a lot of reasons why OSHA might show up to inspect your site. Uh, but one of the most common would probably be that you had an injury or accident. Ironically, under federal OSHA, you don't have to call them and notify them of an accident unless three or more workers are injured in the same accident on the same day at your facility, and those workers would be hospitalized. The other reason to call under federal OSHA if there was a fatality or a probable fatality but something to keep in mind is that the states can have their own state OSHA program, and about half of the states have chosen to do that. But on the West Coast here, all the four states on the West Coast have their own state OSHA program. So we've got Alaska OSHA, uh, Washington State OSHA, Oregon OSHA, and Cal OSHA. But they can be more strict than federal OSHA, and in many cases they are. But all four of those states have now developed rulemaking that said if you have one or more worker that is injured on the job and is hospitalized as a result of that work-related injury, 
you need to call that state OSHA program within eight hours. So you can see how they're far uh, more restrictive than the federal uh, OSHA uh, jurisdiction is. And so that would be a reason where OSHA or state OSHA would show up in that you called them. Uh, also, if there's a fatality, obviously you have to call the state OSHAs as well. Uh, so that's what I got to do for many years. Now I, I just teach, but uh, it's uh, interesting to look back on how people get inspected and the types of citations and penalties uh, along those lines. Well, well, how? What is kind of the uh, the cat? What are the categories of OSHA inspections? I mean, what are the reasons you could be inspected? Uh, besides this, of an injury or, or fatality where you had to call, then another common reason would be a complaint. A formal complaint would come from a worker. Their name would be help, held confidential. Could also be uh, come through the labor. Um, negotiator for the uh, workers could be a union that would file a complaint and then typically OSHA would go out to see if that complaint was valid or not. Another reason that you might be inspected is an informal complaint and that would be somebody that was maybe driving by and saw a hazard and called OSHA. They didn't really work there but they wanted to bring it to OSHA's attention. It's not the same highest priority as a formal complaint but it still might be a reason for them uh, to show up. Another reason, if they were all caught up and there weren't any fatalities or, or uh, injuries or complaints that day, they could also be reading the newspaper and there might be a picture of a facility that was having a new roof put on and uh, perhaps the workers up there uh, weren't tied off or didn't have any means of fall protection. That by itself could prompt an OSHA inspection just based on their knowledge now of a potential hazard in the workplace. And then when all those inspections are done, they have a general scheduled inspections of the higher hazard industries where uh, different companies come up on their inspection based on uh, the frequency of accidents and their standard industrial classification. And then what if, what if let's say you're an ocean inspector and you're kind of going from one thing to another and you're driving in your car and there's a bunch of guys on the roof and it looks like you know, they're on this three-story roof without any tie-offs. And Can you stop on those ones, too? Yes. Uh, OSHA has the right to stop. If they identify a serious hazard, they have a right to stop and perform an inspection. And uh, the first thing they would have to do is ask for the manager or the owner or the general contractor or the person in control or the site superintendent and explain why they were there. In this case, it was because they saw a hazard from a public right-of-way and wanted to investigate it further to see if, in fact, there really were hazards to workers on the job and if those hazards could be corrected. Typically, OSHA has six months to complete a full-scale uh, investigation, so they don't have to wrap everything up that day uh, when they're there. So, so what's it like to be an inspector? I mean, what do you, how, how many visits do you, you go to facilities? I mean, what do you end up doing as an inspector? The first thing is, uh, depending on why you're there, uh, to contact with the employer and tell them that. And then uh, depending on the nature of the hazard, if it were a complaint and this facility had been investigated previously, then the inspector could just confine the inspection to that portion of the facility where the complaint uh, had been lodged. Maybe it, it deals with asbestos containing material in a crawl space. So they might just look there, but they also have 
the authority, if it's been a while since there's been a complete inspection at this facility, to do uh, an inspection throughout completely of, of the whole establishment. And that's why it could take a, a long period of time if that were the case. Generally, inspectors of OSHA are either safety inspectors or they're either industrial hygiene inspectors. Sometimes if there's a complaint that involves both occupational safety and health, then you might have two inspectors that uh, do a joint inspection together. I see. And, and when, you're, when you're going in a facility, um, what are some red flags like where you would dig a little deeper? Like you're on your standard inspection, let's say it's a programmed one, you're just there because it popped up on the schedule or, or it's just happening. Um, what are some things that you would, uh, some signs and things you would use to really start to want, make you want to dig in? The first thing OSHA does is look at your company safety and health program, if indeed you have one, because it should be in writing and there should be documented records and training of workers and the OSHA log of injury and illnesses and the uh, company's accident prevention program and any written policies or procedures like respiratory protection, lockout, tagout, confined space. So uh, let's just say that the facility has all those and now they move from there to the actual walk around inspection. What happens there, red flags that show up would be unguarded belts and pulleys, chains and sprockets, revolving shafts, open electrical, uh, slips, trips, falls. One of the things that gives a facility away almost immediately is either having a good effective safety and health program or having a poor safety program uh, is housekeeping. And uh, if you're always working towards good housekeeping, then you really are trying to establish a good effective safety program. And that typically showed up on inspections that I was able to do, which was about 2,000 inspections over the last 30 years. Uh, I knew within the first couple minutes if they were really uh, establishing safety in their workplace or if they weren't. Other things that we'd look at would be whether there's any unlabeled containers or there's uh, material stored uh, on stairways or whether uh, there's uh, training of forklift operators or whether uh, workers have appropriate personal protective equipment. Uh, it's pretty evident walking by whether they're wearing their safety glasses or goggles or face shield if they're doing anything with a hazard to the eye or uh, if, they're, uh, if they have gloves where there's potential cut uh, hazards, anything like that. So there were some real basic things that an inspector would look at from all the regulations to see if, if in fact the company had established a good continuing effective company safety and health program. I see. So so let's recap a little bit. So you, you get there, you kind of present your credentials and you, um, you have a conference with people? Yes, it's called the opening conference mm -hmm. and the inspector has to tell them why he or she is there and what the scope of their inspection may entail and that it would involve employee interviews typically okay. without management being there and uh, also that records review as we mentioned of the company safety program uh, so that's kind of the initial and then there's the walk around survey and sometimes they may have to come back to do industrial hygiene air monitoring for noise mm -hmm. silica lead asbestos uh, anything like that uh, airborne contaminants how about interviews? I mean, do you talk to workers? Yes. Uh, 
workers may be present on the walk around if there's a labor management you know representative of workers or a worker on a safety committee so there may be workers involved in the entire walk around or the other option is to interview workers at each of the selected areas of the facility without management being there and asking them for their opinion about uh, company safety programs, safety training, safety documentation, uh, safety personal protective equipment. So that's part of this uh, full walk around inspection. For a small facility with let's say five or ten employees, uh, that may only take a couple hours, but for a large facility like a pulp and paper facility that could certainly uh, take days. But just something I should uh, throw out is that OSHA and the state OSHA programs apply to all employees that have one or more, uh, all employers that have one or more employee. So there are a few regulations that exempt you if you have 10 or less, like keeping the OSHA log, but the bulk of the OSHA codes uh, start whenever any employer has one or more employee. I'm really glad you brought that up because I run into that those kind of small workplaces all the time. They're like, well, it doesn't really apply to us because um, we only have two or three people here. And it's, it's really misunderstood. It, it is. And uh, uh, when you look at a, like a state like Alaska or Washington or Oregon or Idaho, uh, over 80% of all the employers in those states have 10 or less employees. And so we're a nation of small employers. And if those were exempted, we would be exempting 80% of all the companies. So if you look at all the little plating shops and all the little processing companies and sheet metal machine shops, uh, many have three or four or five or eight employees, and they certainly fall under OSHA and state OSHA. And while there's certain exemptions, they may not have to have a safety committee with employee elected representatives. They still would have to have safety meetings of all of their workers, uh, even though they have less than 10 employees. Uh, it kind of goes along with workers' comp. You have to buy workers' comp on your employees as soon as you have one or more employee that you hire. You can exempt yourself as the sole proprietor. But once you hire one worker, you fall under pretty much all the rules. Okay. So so you, you've got to the facility, you had your opening conference um, so that the people at the facility know what's going on. You do your inspection, you interview whoever you need to, and you're kind of all done. What happens then? Then a closing conference is set up by uh, the inspector. For a small establishment, that may be that afternoon, you know, following that. But at that point... Uh, Within six months, it has to be completed. But they would have a list of those possible infractions that would be uh, notified that, that they identified during the previous course of the inspection. Uh, perhaps there was no written lockout tagout program. Perhaps there was no training of respirators. Perhaps uh, there were containers that were not labeled. Perhaps they were unguarded uh, belts and pulleys. Those would be brought up at the time. The types of citations could be general, serious, willful, uh, or repeat. A general would be uh, an other than serious hazard where uh, it was procedural and, and you had to come up with some written programs. Uh, serious hazards are things like electrical and falls and machine guarding. Uh, typically they could be up to $7,000 per violation. 
However, OSHA takes amounts off for five things. They calculate in size, good faith, history, severity, and probability. And as a result, small employers get a big break. The average OSHA citation per violation is about $800 rather than the maximum of $7,000. Now, if you've completed a citation and OSHA comes back and you get recited for the exact same violation at that facility within three years, then it could be uh, listed as a repeat violation because you were cited previously, but now you got cited again. So that could certainly go up by a factor of perhaps 10. And that certainly mm -hmm. applies even if it's not that facility, right? If you have a company and you have three outlets or three facilities, if you get cited at one facility, they could go and do an inspection in the next one. Right, it would still be a repeat, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Uh, the way it's set up by OSHA, they have put the complete responsibility on the company or the entity or the employer, and that umbrella then covers all their establishments that they operate. So they would expect if one establishment were cited for uh, a problem with process safety management, for instance, that all those facilities would have been notified and would be all in compliance uh, with the original citation. Uh, the last one I mentioned, which you don't see very often, is willful, and that's where a company uh, absolutely knew of a hazard and, and willfully disregarded safety of people or property to uh, decide not to fix it uh, for whatever reasons. Uh, it's very, very unusual, but you sometimes see it uh, where uh, there's a fatality and mm -hmm. there just uh, wasn't the necessary precautions to prevent that. So in, in the paper around here, there was a refinery, a coker explosion at a refinery in Washington State several years ago, and uh, there's a headline on the paper of several million dollars in fines, so those would be willful wouldn't they, to, to approach those kind of levels? Yes. Uh, what a OSHA and the state OSHAs could do is, uh, instead of citing you for a hazard under process safety management, they could actually cite you for all the, in other words, just one citation. They could list all the individual paragraphs of that code, which might be 10 or 15 or 20 or 30, and cite you for a violation of each section of the code that was not complied with. And then if they determined that it wasn't just serious, but in fact willful, then each individual uh, case could be listed. And uh, on a national scale, OSHA just did that with the uh, BP explosion in Texas City, Texas, that killed 15 contractors in 2005. So they ended up citing them for about 213 willful violations for a total penalty of $21 million. Okay. So, so when you finish the closing conference now you're not going to leave citations there, right? You'll discuss what what you found in the inspection, but but uh, do you do you leave anything with them? Uh, not really, other than the oral report, telling them that within about two weeks there would be a written citation for OSHA issued by the area director, and that at that time when they receive it in writing, they would have 15 working days to appeal that citation if there was any portion of it that they felt uh, they did not agree with. Uh, on that appeal then, uh, for OSHA you could meet with the area director in an informal conference, or with WISHA you could meet with a hearings officer in an informal conference in the state of Washington. Uh, and at, at that point you don't need an attorney. You can just go in to tell your side of the story. 
If you still can't agree on the citation or the penalty amount, then you have a legal right to appeal for OSHA to the OSHA Review Commission and for the state of Washington to the Board of Industrial Insurance Appeals. And at that point, you would need a lawyer and you could appeal all the way through the present legal system that we have available. Well, Rick, we once again really appreciate you being here and discussing these issues. I, I know you go way out of your way to, to help people with safety, and uh, it's great we could show this, put the spotlight today on the inspection process and give people a little bit of information, you know, for free out there where they can just get this information and uh, help them a little bit in, in doing their job. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Amy, for allowing me to be here. Thank you, Rick. Another spot on safety is in the can. This has been another episode of Spot on Safety. For additional safety reference information, join us at iWorkWise.com. To ask a question, you can email us at spotonsafety at gmail.com or leave us a comment on our website.